This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sectors Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space, sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. The format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Destinations International. The annual convention in Dallas this month is a sellout, but you can still score your seats in the annual Advocacy Summit, October 10, 11, and 12 in Little Rock. Viewed by many as the most important learning summit of the year, the Advocacy Summit connects you with content experts to help you hone your advocacy chops. To learn more, visit destinationinternational.org slash events. And now it's on to our show. Adam Stoker has established himself as one of the most prominent voices in tourism in 2019, breaking ground in the audio world with over 100,000 downloads from travel enthusiasts and marketing professionals. Host of the Destination Marketing Podcast, Adam has also founded the Destination Marketing Podcast Network, sharing the joy of podcasting with others. Not limiting himself to sound waves, Adam has also penned the book Touchpoints, the Destination Marketer's Guide to Brand Evaluation and Enhancement, derived largely from his years of hands-on experience as CEO and President of Relic, a full-service marketing agency specializing in tourism-based clientele. Adam just released a six-episode mini-series on the Destination Marketing Podcast about how destinations can build audiences through owned media and be much more effective in their marketing. When not imparting wisdom, Adam enjoys time with his beautiful wife and four kids in Provo, Utah. Adam Stoker, welcome to DMOU. Bill, I'm so glad to be here. I've admired your show for a long time, had the opportunity to be a guest in the past. You're a leader, and I'm really, really grateful for the honor to be on your show. Well, it it goes both ways. And the first time we had you on the show, of course, we were talking about Touchpoints, which I thought was just a fabulous book. And I hear tell, and we'll talk about it in a bit, that another book is on the way, and we can't wait to see that. But, you know, I think it may have been at last year's annual convention of Destinations International that I heard you broach the concept that DMOs are squandering the opportunity to move from renting, if you will, media visibility, to actually owning their own media. And over the past year, you've been refining this concept of building audience relationship beyond paid media, beyond earned media. Let's start this episode with you with the backstory of the concept of owned media. Yeah, Bill, and and thanks for the kind words on on my book. I'm really excited for this next book uh, that will deal specifically with this concept of building audiences through owned media. And, you know, this is something that I kind of stumbled into. I've been in marketing for 15 years and working with Destinations since 2012. And not until I actually started creating some of this media myself, similar to what you're doing with your podcast, did I recognize this opportunity to build audiences through owned media? So I'm, I'm going to kind of take you back through my story, and, and then I'm going to show you a couple of non-tourism examples that I think you'll find interesting as, as to why this concept is so valuable for tourism destinations. And so it kind of started with, in 2019, when I started my podcast, the Destination Marketing Podcast, I really just needed a credibility piece, like somewhere where tourism destinations who were considering hiring us as an ad agency could go find out if we really knew what the heck we were talking about, right? And so yeah, I, right. I went, I, I created that podcast with with really no idea what it was going to become. 
And it, it wasn't until I started getting some <laughs> messages on LinkedIn from people in Italy and Australia and all over the United States saying, hey, I listened to your podcast. Thanks for putting it together. And then I see the numbers kind of start to, to go crazy where, you know, there's 10,000 or so destination marketers in the United States. And I, I just hit 100,000 downloads yeah. on, on my show, which is unreal. And so it spiraled into something that I never really expected. And, and it's become the primary lead generation resource for my agency. And so it, it's funny because it was meant to be a credibility piece. And what it turned into is a, an actual awareness piece where people would learn about me and my organization through my podcast. And so in doing so, I looked at what was that doing for me, building an audience of people who listen to and trust my content. And I think the reason they listen to it and trust it is because very similar to what you do, I bring on really smart, experienced and intelligent people yeah. from the industry and I have them share their philosophy and experience and case studies. And then I'm able to sprinkle in a little bit of my philosophy and, and support and things like that along the way. And so I think that provides a lot of value for the listener. In fact, I always joke, you know, we go to these conferences and some of these conferences that we go to, the speakers will be so inspiring. I mean, they speak with emotion and excitement and we walk away so energized and then we go sit down at our computer and it's like, where do I start? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so I thought, man, on my show, what I'd like to do is to try, and, and I haven't been successful in every show, but I really try to give a tangible, implementable takeaway from each episode that allows people to, to actually do something with it after they've listened. As I did that and started to see the impact on my business, at the same time, I was watching some of the things that were happening outside of the tourism industry. And I'll give you a couple of examples. One is Reese Witherspoon started a book club, uh, and it was several years ago, ago. It's called Hello Sunshine. And this book club that she started, it just started out with, we're going to choose a book a month, and she'd read it together with her audience. And then the audience started to grow and grow and grow. And she started to recognize that when she would feature a book in the book club, it would guarantee the success of that book. And then after a while, she realized, well, if the book is guaranteed success, what if I made these books into a movie? And so she made the books into a movie. And now she started a production company. So she owned the book club, the production company. And guess who gets to be the main character of a lot of those movies? Reese Witherspoon, right? So she basically, through creating <laughs> owned media, yeah. she built an audience of people who really kind of hung on the words that she said and listened to what she said. And she created this, this production company that had millions of people who would either read the books or watch the movies, but in some way consume the content. And she just recently sold that production company and book club for more than she ever could have made as an actress. Yeah. There's right. several other examples. You know, one one fun example for those that like golf is there's a small group of men that love golf and it's called Good Good and that's the name of the company. They started a YouTube channel and started creating fun entertaining golf content with a variety of different formats that they would do. Their audience got so big that they recognized now that we have this audience, we can actually create golf related products 
and sell them to our audience. And so they came up with a clothing line, an accessories line. They've got hats. And and so they are generating revenue in a variety of streams because of this audience that they've built through their YouTube channel. And so I, I start to look at how it affected my business. I'm looking at these external examples of how people are leveraging audiences. And I've got I've got dozens of these examples, but I won't bore your audience with all the different ones today. In fact, if they want all the examples, they can go listen to the six-part series that I did on my show diving into this. But what as I started to look at that, I said, why can't destinations do this? Yeah. And around that time, I also had destinations that had asked me to help them start a podcast. And so we had built the Destination Marketing Podcast Network, and we now manage over 25 different podcasts whether it be educational for the destination marketing industry or supporting destination podcasts that are geared towards visitors. And as I looked at it, I realized that with this audience building, we can actually build an ecosystem of content that will help nurture potential visitors in a more intimate way through the buyer journey or through the visitor journey. So what I mean by that is we've always looked at the marketing funnel as awareness, consideration, and purchase, Mm -hmm. right? First, somebody needs to be aware of your destination. Then when it's time to make a decision about where to go, they're deciding between you and other destinations and you want to be in the mix. And then ultimately, you want to have them visit and choose you as one of the destinations. Close the deal, right? Close the deal, right, exactly. The problem with that is, you know, we and, and I'll just do a brief history of media here. When TV first came out, you could buy, you know, one of the three channels that are available and you could reach 70% of the American public, right? So advertising used to be super easy. And ever since the internet really came out, media has become more and more and more and more fragmented and people's attention is becoming more fragmented as well. And what we've kind of gotten to is is people's attention is so divided and fragmented, and yet we are putting a beautiful picture, a logo, a headline, and a call to action, and we're expecting people in in that proverbial billboard of eight seconds or less to say, yeah, I'm going to go visit this destination because I saw a pretty picture and a headline. And I, I just don't feel like that is a realistic play with, with how much everybody's attention is divided. And I see the change happening outside the industry with marketing shifting to more relationship-based and trust-based marketing. But in the destination marketing industry, we have a little bit of a luxury, and by the way, it's also a curse, but a luxury of not having all the tools we need to measure the exact impact of the ads that we're running. As we know, the destination runs the marketing and the hotel collects the revenue, and we try really hard to bridge that gap, but there's still always some blank space that we can't cover, right? And so as I look at that, I say, well, if we are building a relationship with an audience and actually nurturing that audience through, and and the way I'll describe that nurturing is that first we want to create really, really valuable and entertaining content Mm -hmm. that actually gets them to seek out our content and be entertained by it as opposed to us trying to break into where they currently exist. And when I say break into where they currently exist, what I mean is a Facebook ad or an Instagram ad or or wherever it is we're trying to reach them with our current advertising strategy. And I'm saying don't ask them to visit with your paid media on the first trip. 
because I, I think you're wasting your money in most cases. I, I mean, in the automotive industry, 2% of the market is in the market for a vehicle at any given time. I've got to imagine it's not that much different for the travel industry. And yet we're running ads that say book now, book now, book now all year long. Mm-hmm. And so my thesis here is instead, let's use that paid media to drive to really valuable and entertaining content. Let's repurpose that content in a lot of different ways and slice it up into a dozen different usable pieces. And then let's nurture them from awareness to engagement. And engagement is where, and by the way, this is where I'm shifting to a different marketing funnel model, is you go engagement second instead of consideration. Right. Because it's too early for them to decide to want to visit. But let's get them to just press listen on two or three podcast episodes. Or let's get them to watch a few YouTube videos and maybe share it with, uh, with their audience or with their network. And let's get them to maybe give us their email address. And so the idea is just get them to engage. And then after we get them to, en- to engage, we want them to become part of our active community. This is where they like all our social posts or they share a lot of our social posts. They comment. They've given us their email at this point. We have permission to continue to market to them on an ongoing basis. And then once we have permission, especially through email and text, we can monitor their activity through the rest of their journey because of the interactions that they do on the website if we have a good CRM. And then we can give them customized content that will inspire them to visit. So it's a much longer play. It's a longer term plan. But the whole idea is you're doing the storytelling in your destination that you should be doing anyway. Mm-hmm. And you're leveraging your paid media to drive attention to your storytelling and then use your storytelling to nurture someone through to a visit and build a long term relationship with that potential visitor. And that's kind of the overview. I know it's kind of a long overview, but the overview of this this concept of using owned media to build audiences instead of just paid media to death. (laughs) You know what I mean? Well, and as you've kind of gone through that process uh, over the past couple of minutes, what hits me is, and you know, this is personal, but I think most of us have, you know, the bucket list of where we want to go next. And I love that part about your podcast that you always ask people, you know, where their, their next big travel experience is going to be. But Italy has been in my second tier. It's not my first tier, but it's not my third tier. It's in second. And so one of these days, hopefully I'll get there. And yet after watching Stanley Tucci's Searching for Italy series on CNN over the past couple of years, Italy has moved into the first tier because he is eating his way through Italy. And I didn't know... (laughs) until watching the show, that there are like, whatever, 12, 14 regions in Italy, and every one of them is absolutely different in the way they grow and create culinary experiences. And all of a sudden, because of that, and seeing this amazing diversity from regions that are 30 miles away from each other, I'm in. And Italy has gone to the first tier. That's what you're talking about yes. here, is the ability to take somebody and, and give them content, give them stories they've never heard before that may move you from third tier to second tier to first tier, right? Bill, I, I love the example that you're giving me here because you've nailed it. It's exactly what I'm talking about. It's the type of content 
that builds a relationship with the listener or the viewer over time. The subtle difference is CNN has ownership of that. And and so it's essentially a windfall to Italy that CNN decided to tell this story. I'm saying instead of as a destination, waiting for someone else to decide, and I think Yellowstone is another great example of this for the state of Montana, instead of waiting for someone else to tell that story and to come up with something that's that engaging, I think the destination should own it. And that's the major shift that I'm proposing to the industry. Okay. So as you said, you've created this six episode podcast audio series to guide DMOs through how to do this. And the new book is on the way. Without revealing all the content (laughs) of the series, share with us some of the nuggets that are so easy that it's just criminal that most of us aren't using them. Yeah, and, and I'm happy to do that, and, and I appreciate you referencing the series. The cool thing about the series is I had the opportunity to to kind of co-host and ultimately what will eventually be co-author a book about this concept with Stuart Butler. He's the chief marketing officer of Visit Myrtle Beach, and Stuart and I have been talking about this concept for a long time, and we realized so much that we aligned is, is first of all, you know, they hired us at Relic as their agency of record for all owned media related activities. And as Stuart and I have brainstormed on this, we have recognized that it goes much farther than just Myrtle Beach. And so we're trying to kind of spearhead this idea through creating the audio series and through what's ultimately going to be the book. And Really, Stuart and I go into this concept of changing the marketing funnel uh, in the way that I described earlier uh, of instead of awareness, consideration, and purchase, it's a five-step process of awareness, engagement, active community, inspiration, and then visit. In the visit component, there's also advocacy mm-hmm. there. Because what we're saying is if your content is engaging enough, even if somebody doesn't actually book a trip, they may become an advocate of the destination and still promote the destination through word of mouth if your content is compelling enough. Mm -hmm. So we really start with a concept that we call branded entertainment, where we say that you should be discovering what the stories are in your area, which I, I hear so many people say, well, I'm not sure if we have enough stories. I think that is one of the biggest misnomers in the industry. And honestly, if you feel like your destination doesn't have enough stories, you haven't done the research that you should do to be in your role. Because every destination, every destination has a story. The stories are And multiple stories. And I mean, even if if we go as simple as a restaurant that has been there for so many years and came close to going out of business or had to get a loan or maybe a hurricane blew it down, like... There are so many different individual human stories in a destination, not to mention the big picture story of the history of the destination. There's so much to be told. I recommend that people identify those stories and create really interesting and entertaining ways to tell that story, whether that's in a documentary style film that you release on YouTube or whether that's a podcast. The thing that I like about podcasting is for one, it's very low cost. And so for people to get started, they really don't have to do a whole lot other than invest the time, but then it's also so repurposable. And so you can take the content from a podcast, you can transcribe that content, and then you can version it out into multiple blog posts, into email content, into website content. Um, It boosts your SEO. And so it's such a versatile piece of content that I really like that. 
And audio gives people the ability, and you know this, Bill, because you've got your podcast, but audio gives you the ability to consume content on your terms as a consumer. And no other medium gives you the ability to consume content while folding laundry, taking a shower, going to the gym. It's entirely on your terms, which allows the storytelling uh, of audio to reach more people than any other medium because of the flexibility it gives the end user. And so anyway, as Stuart and I go through that, we talk about creating these branded entertainment concepts, telling the story, and then how do you intentionally build an audience? And we give you the tools to do so in that audio series. Yeah. And while I would absolutely listen to the audio of Searching for Italy with Stanley Tucci, the fact that it is visual has got me hooked. But you're right, that video series could easily, as you're saying, be then translated into audio, then translated into print or, or text. I love what you're saying about this gets repurposed. And that's how do you maximize our oftentimes very limited budget? Yes. And this is the way to do it. It's audio first, text second. It is. And, and I look at it too, Bill, a little bit like hunting versus farming. Hear me out on another weird analogy, mm -hmm. but yeah. Let's pretend that zombie apocalypse has happened and I'm in the in the wilderness with my family just trying to protect them and feed them and everything, right? So I have two options. I can hunt or I can farm. If I go out and hunt, I get a deer, I come back, I feed my family yeah. for a few days, but what do I have to do as soon as we've consumed the deer? Go hunting. <laughs> I've got to yeah. go back out and hunt right. again, right? And so if I do farming... You know, it takes a long time. I have to cultivate the soil. I have to plant. I have to, you know, watch over the fields. I have to make sure that the birds don't come and kill all that stuff. But then if I actually get the crops to where I can harvest, I can fill my silos and feed my family for the entire winter. Yeah. I feel like both are valuable, but I, I think you need a combination of hunting and farming in order to be successful as a destination. And as destinations, we've been relying on hunting for so long that now as the cost of paid media is continuing to increase and has become somewhat inflationary, our ability to continue to hunt and have the same rate of success is almost non-existent. So Stuart in our audio series called out the fact that he believes that every destination should be taking 10% of their budget and putting it towards owned media activities because we need to start farming. All of us need to start farming in our destinations. And he says, don't go all in at once because you still need to hunt, right? You still need to generate the mm -hmm. results that you're generating yeah. now, but take 10%. And for some destinations, that means you can create something similar to this Italy right. series that you've been consuming, but some destinations will only be able to create a podcast. And so it really depends on who you are and what your budget is as a destination, but the recommendation is let's start with 10%, scale that to whatever size you are as a destination, and do the best you can and start farming. Very cool. I love that analogy. So third question. In your opinion, who is doing this already exceptionally well in our space? Yeah, I actually think there's several people that are starting to do it. I'm shocked at how few are actually doing it. But I'll give you one that is my client and one that's not my client because okay. I actually have someone that I think we talked when she was just getting started and uh, you know, it's Kristen Jarnigan at, at visit long Island. Yeah. yeah. She's doing Absolutely. an incredible job. 
in that destination. And the thing that I love is she took this concept of a podcast for Long Island and she called it Long Island Iced Tea. And she said that they spill the tea in every episode, mm-hmm. right? Which immediately gives you a little bit of, a, <laughs> of an incentive to listen because you're going to kind of hear the dirty details or behind the scenes or however you want to describe it. And she's leveraged that to build real personalities. And when I say build personalities, she's bringing in really smart, talented, and engaging people to join her on that show that can relate with the audience. And she's built a really great audience through this Long Island Ice Tea show. And so I, I love the concept of what she's doing, and she keeps scaling it up. She keeps expanding. She started small, and as she started to see success, she's increased and increased and increased. And in my opinion, she's way ahead of most destinations out there. So I love what Kristen Jarnigan's doing. And if I can jump in, yeah, not only is she creating amazing content that makes me want to go to Long Island to experience that kind of edgy, here's the backstory, here's the people who are hanging out, hey, we just had Dee Snyder on from Twisted Sister, but it also, the people that she features are becoming her advocates within the destination. So every time you bring someone like that onto your show, you've just made a friend for life that you may need down the road when things go south. Yeah, this is another thing that I think is one of the the side benefits of creating a program like this. And I wasn't going to mention these guys, but now that now that you brought that part up, I will. The Intercoastal Podcast, it was the first destination podcast that started with us back in 2020. And their whole strategy was, we're going to bring our stakeholders on and we're going to let them tell their stories. And they have built so many strong relationships with their stakeholders through the podcast that they now use it as a method to, even if they've mm-hmm. got a relationship yep. that they're concerned about you know, getting in the door or having a good rapport with, they'll invite them on the show. And I think Kristen has also done an incredible job of that, of building her stakeholder relationships by giving them a platform to come tell their story to potential visitors, which absolutely translates into a return on investment of their time for them as well. Yeah. And, you know, Chrissy Morrison in Stillwater, Oklahoma, uh, not podcasting, but she actually has a cable morning show on TV Monday through Friday. And the same thing. She brings people from the community and not necessarily tourism guests. These are just people doing cool things in Stillwater and gives them 15, 20 minutes to talk about whatever they're up to. And when things did go south a couple of years ago, she has hundreds of people in the community that she has given voice to that are now coming to city council going, you're going to do what? (laughs) Right? Yeah, it is. It, it It works both ways. Absolutely. I think the other one that I'll mention is just, I'd be crazy not to mention Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach is 100% committed to this concept of building audiences through owned media. And Stuart, you know, came from the agency world and did exactly the same thing that I did uh, with my podcast to build his agency, but he did it in the hospitality space, specifically to hotels and resorts and things like that. And so we have very similar backgrounds. And so Stuart is is taking this past success of audience building and owned media and installing that philosophy and method at Visit Myrtle Beach 
and is creating incredible shows. Everybody that's listening actually needs to check out a show that they've just released called Life's a Beach and Then You Die. <laughs> I wish it was the brainchild of my team, right? But their team right. came up with this. We're producing it, but they are telling these incredible human stories of these people that have gone through challenging and difficult times and have managed to come out of it on the other side. You know, one of the topics that they cover is addiction. Another one is the death of a child. And and they're talking to these people that have gone through these incredible experiences. And it, really, each story is kind of a, a, a story of overcoming. And I think that's that's also a really inspiring way to structure your stories, because not only is, are they really interesting and engaging, but they kind of give us hope at the end of it, right? And and so uh, that's just one example of, of we probably have nine or 10 different shows going with Visit Myrtle Beach right now because they're they're basically looking at all the different audiences that come to the destination and they're saying let's build content that's interesting to them. And so they're almost they're starting audience first, let's build the content that's interesting to them and then let's build our audience journey from there. And we're still in the early stages. We've been working on this for almost a year and a half now. And so far, so good. Their, their stakeholder relationships are continuing to strengthen. And, and, and they do this event where they bring in all their stakeholders and tell them what happened last year, what's our philosophy, what are we working on, and what can you expect from us this upcoming year? And I had the opportunity to go out and speak at that event on this exact topic and I was blown away with the buy-in that they have from their stakeholders. And it's just clear that they've been able to get everyone aligned, get on the same page, and really lean into this concept of building audiences through owned media, ultimately resulting in long-term guaranteed visitation. Yeah. Well, I love the concept of owned media because paid is one thing. And I think, you know, we all say earned is better, but owned yep. is even better. And I think that this is a new concept that it's pretty exciting. And I, I love the way you think. So time for your bonus round question. Last time we had you on the show, you told us of being in the Little League World Series, which is so cool. But this time, let's get to your first <laughs> job in tourism that really kind of inspired you to turn this direction and be one of us. Yeah, Bill, I, I love the opportunity to tell this story because it's it's just wild. But I had the opportunity in 2005, um, I was walking through a hallway at Utah Valley University. I just graduated from high school a year previously. And I'm walking through the hall and they've got all these different job booths. It's kind of a job fair in this hall. And one of them was Gray Line of Alaska. And they were hiring people to go drive tour buses in Alaska for the summer and I had just met a guy that I, I kind of hit it off with. We became fast friends in one of my college classes. And I walked in with the flyer and I said, you want to go to Alaska with me this summer? And he looked at me and he goes, let's do it. <laughs> and we ended up going and driving tour buses in Alaska that summer. We worked like 85 hours a week. It was insane. But we got to see a large portion of Alaska. We got to have incredible experiences, got to meet amazing people. And really, it was, it was the start of a passion for yeah. looking at tourism and creating memorable experiences for people. I, I actually had a, a family come on one of my tours, and the guy said, you know, my wife's dying wish 
she has cancer. Her dying wish was to be able to come on this tour and see Alaska. And I got to watch them share that experience together, you know? And, and so just watching people check things off their bucket list and get the fulfillment of, of what travel can do for people. I'll never leave this industry. And isn't that the best part about what we do? I mean, yeah, we get a paycheck. Yeah. All the things that work entails, but the ability to be part of people's memories, to help create that canvas that they can build their memories. And frankly, as I look through, you know, my treasure trove of memories, I would say the vast majority is when I wasn't at home. The, the memories really are when you were traveling and people yeah. oftentimes kind of trivialize tourism and trivialize travel is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where the meaning of life really happens. And so, yeah, the fact that you could have been part of that couple and so many others lives and, and all of us in this industry, whether we're getting a paycheck or not, that's the paycheck right there. Yeah, it's why we do what we do, right? I mean, life's yeah. full of memories, but to have the opportunity to participate in a core memory, that's one of the pillars that yeah. someone looks back on their life and remembers, that's pretty special that we get to be there. Absolutely. Adam, thanks for all you do to move this sector forward. Your passion is the support of podcasting as a way to develop owned media is pretty remarkable. And also thanks for having me on your show a couple of weeks ago. Where can listeners find more about you, Owned Media, Relic, and the network? Yeah, so I'm really active on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is a place where uh, you, you can definitely see a lot of what I'm up to and connect with me there. I also, my agency is relicagency.com. If you want to find the Destination Marketing Podcast, you can hear it wherever you listen to podcasts or go to destinationmarketingpodcast.com. And then if you're interested in the Destination Marketing Podcast Network, it's thedmpn.com. And Bill, I just want to express the value you bring to the industry and and your leadership. I really appreciate um, the fact that also as, as I was breaking into this industry how quickly you know you were willing to to build a relationship and and connect and anyway I really value your contribution to the industry yeah. and look up to you so thanks a lot Bill hey thank you so much I appreciate that that's it for this edition of DMOU tell your friends and peers this is where the best and the brightest come to share their stories it's DMOU.com thanks again to our sponsor our friends at Destinations International the annual convention in Dallas amazingly is a sellout you can't get in it's done but you can still score your seats at the annual Advocacy Summit, which is October 10th through 12 in Little Rock. Viewed by many as the most important learning summit of the year, the Advocacy Summit connects you with content experts to help you hone your advocacy chops. To learn more, it's destinationsinternational.org events. DMO Pros is where you're going to find links to our services for the DMO sector, links to the Z News, position papers on board diversity and the new model for destination development, our book, Destination Leadership, and the biggest DMO job board on the planet, plus access to past episodes of DMOU. That's DMO Pros with a Z.com. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time. Mm-hmm.